Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom, every day. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods, and we look for ways to add more science, technology, engineering, and math to your everyday classroom or just to make it easier for you to add those things and, and help those kids through through things that where they struggle. And today we're gonna to talk with two educators from Ohio. Uh, they're social studies and history teachers, but they've written a, an incredible new book about quitting. Now, a, a lot of a lot of talk in, in education, especially after Sylvia Duckworth talked about the idea of grit, uh, these guys are going to talk about the idea of quit. And welcome to the show, Adam Chamberlain and Sveti Matech. Thank you. Hey, yeah, thanks for having us. Well, um, let me let me first uh, talk about you guys wrote a book uh, called Quit Point. But before we talk about the book, just the idea of of quitting. Um, you guys, you guys are high school teachers, history, social studies kind of stuff. You saw kids get to that point of quitting, right? Yeah, so, you know, we work at a an inner city school in the Columbus, Ohio area, yeah. and, you know, we we talked about it as, you know, that was kind of the ongoing discussion with a lot of teachers that we were dealing with a lot of apathy amongst our students, and if we could if we could do something about that apathy, that, that would be the big breakthrough. Um, and no, so it, no, wait, no. Kids are <laughs> never apathetic in my class. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's, was, that's one of those was, things that... <laughs> it was only your class, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we, we were trying to deal with that aspect. And there's a lot of different strategies out there in terms of motivation. Um, we kind of, you know, through our work together on it, we decided to kind of approach the problem um, kind of from the other end. And so we started looking at not how to motivate the students, but what are the aspects that's causing them to quit and shut down in the first place? Mm-hmm. And once we started to figure that out for each student, then we could slowly address, um, you know, increase opportunities for them to learn in the classroom. And so we were motivating over time, but by kind of reversing the problem. Okay. So, you, I mean, and this all grew out of like your school started a one-to-one initiative in your class, which should have, you know, solved all the problems of initiative and, and motivation and apathy, right? Well, that's what we thought, you know, we, we, and we kind of actually, we quit on the district wide curriculum adoption. We're all buying new textbooks and we, mm-hmm. we asked for permission to not use the textbooks because that was one of the first things we noticed would cause quit in our students. And we asked to go one-to-one instead. And the, and we kind of talked to the super, at least as a superintendent, we talked to our curriculum director and they said, yeah, you guys go one-to-one. We'll get you guys a, a Chromebook cart to share. And we thought, okay, this is great. This is going to solve all of our problems. Yes. You know, we're going to have the technology. I mean, as, as this podcast shows, you know, people are so connected in education these days. There's so many ideas out there. We thought all we had to do is pick from a menu of great ideas, present the ones that work for us, and the kids would start soaring. And uh, sadly, it wasn't quite so easy. So, so you guys did some research. You guys kind of compared the ideas of, of quitting. When do kids quit? You, you looked at a suburban school. You looked at uh, urban inner city school. And what did you, what did you really find out? What did, what did all that research tell you? Well, it's kind of it's kind of cool because we have a really great opportunity to do research like that. Because my wife works in a suburban school, mm-hmm. and somebody that Adam went to grad school with is in the same school. So we had kind of a built-in network of teachers with two very different environments where we can have awesome. different ideas. And one of the things we saw through, you know, we did student survey, student interviews, we looked at student work, 
um, is that the difference between the suburban school and the and the um, inner city school is about the prevalence of obstacles that lead to quitting. You know, it could be home life, it could be hunger, it could be lack of sleep. A, a whole you know a whole bunch of issues could be the problem. Mm-hmm. And there weren't really actually major differences in the student populations, except that the suburban school had a much larger number of students with almost no obstacles. And the inner city school had a much larger population with many obstacles. Okay. And in the end, if you, if you look at a classroom size of 25, 30 students, it's about a four student difference in the likelihood of quitting. And if you look at some of the more recent research and in, um, in education and, you know, how do you make an impact and how do you move the, the, the how do you move a, a population, whether it's a school or a teacher or students, right? Our principals are talking about 80% is the key number to move a, a, a body of people. Mm-hmm. But the research we read says it's 25%. And that's what we see. Those four kids in the suburban school tend to make quitting less acceptable. And those four extra kids that quit on a you know habitual basis in the inner city school make quitting more acceptable. And so the differences when you see the classroom side by side look like they're really big, but there's only really a four student difference in terms of the motivations they're bringing wow. to class without, you know, teacher input, teacher interventions, but with the bringing yeah. the door. Wow. So, so that idea of quitting, of looking at, at what is, um, it's, it's really that much, not that much difference. So there's, there's kids quitting everywhere, right? So, yeah. um, you, you guys even kind of came up with a whole formula here about effort have, uh, including some things about, you know, optimism and task value. Tell me, tell me a little bit about, about what kind of things you saw where that, that quit point is that, that effort is. Okay. Um, our approach, you know, as we kind of develop this, you know, we kind of call it our, our quit point equation, mm-hmm. uh, but we're trying to figure out how much out or effort students tend to, you know, display in the classroom in their learning. And so we started looking into different behavioral science research and trying to figure out the components that lead to students, you know, shutting down or, you know, uh, what could increase their effort and things like that. Obviously mm-hmm. want to, you know, try to provide opportunities to increase, you know, the positives for those students and, and limit the impact of those negative aspects. So um, as we drew it up, like optimism is definitely a big part of it. When students feel like they can be successful in the classroom, mm-hmm. uh, when they feel like they have a legitimate success to be um, successful on their own terms, yeah. they, 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 they tend to persevere more than those students who come in without that, you know, that, that hope of succeeding at the end. And since this is a STEM podcast, I think that's, it's important to point out that the optimism piece is probably one of the most impactful uh, variables in, in, in the science and math classroom and including the history oh, yeah. classroom because we have kids who come in saying, I'm not a math person. So they come in with a low <laughs> level of optimism from the very beginning. And no matter how much you try to convince their optimism person, they're not going to listen to you because the confidence is low and they're not going to change their identity. And it's like if I'm told I'm a marathon person, I am not a marathon person. It's <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, and then same thing too. I don't like history. So there's this, this initial you know, com- confidence and optimism piece has a huge impact in derailing students from actually reaching their true potential because they are trying to close, they close themselves off to what they could be based off of previous negative experiences. Mm-hmm. So just saying, Hey, I want to try to motivate my kids. I just want to encourage them. That's not always going to happen just by us 
trying harder or giving them, here's the carrot and the stick. We have to, we have to really look at some, some strategies. So again, we're talking with Adam Chamberlain and Sveti Matech. Uh, the idea is Quick Point. Uh, you can find uh, their, their book, their ideas at quitpoint.net uh, or on Twitter at quitpoint. Um, those are just some ways to engage with them. But why did you decide to, to look at that quitting point? What, what makes it so easy to look for that quit point instead of, you know, all these solutions? Okay. Um, one thing that we notice is it's much easier to kind of recognize and diagnose the quitting rather than trying to, you know, identify when students are engaged, right? Okay. So if, um, if you're in a very traditional classroom, you know, you could look around the room and, you know, depending on kind of the culture of the building and things like that. I know I did this plenty of times when I was in school. Mm-hmm. If you, if you're compliant, if you're not misbehaving in class, and if majority of the lesson is, you know, very student or a very uh, teacher centered, it's very easy to just kind of sit back and, you know, run out the clock through that period. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, so, so I feel like we were missing a lot of students and other teachers were missing students that we felt were engaged and we didn't recognize it until we got to some form of larger assessment. And, and then that's kind of the wake up call. Whoa, what, what happened with these students? We thought they were, you know, they were paying attention. We thought they were learning. Yeah. Yeah. They look, they look like it on, on exactly. the first glance, yeah. the first appearance. Yeah. They're compliant and stuff, but yeah, exactly. So, so we tried to flip that around and the more we started to figure out what those individual components are, we could kind of spot, you know, much earlier in the process uh, when students are quitting. And we even went to the point of, you know, we kind of labeled for ourselves um, different levels of quitting. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we have the, you know, what we call s- sustained quit. And mm-hmm. that's what most teachers would recognize, you know, uh, kids heads down, kids sleeping, kids on their phone, uh, kids acting up because they're looking for, you know, an out of the classroom. Yeah. Uh, what, what so many teachers miss is what we started to call effort rationing. Mm-hmm. They, they might be going through the motions. They might be, you know, to, to some point they might even be look like they're engaged, nodding their heads. Uh, they have the assignment out. They might attempt one or two, yeah. but they're not, they're not actively engaged yeah. uh, in the, in the learning. And so yeah. we started to recognize that, you know what, that's a problem. That's a, a lost opportunity as well. This, you know, this one-to-one experiment we tried where we thought things would go great. You know, if you think about the expectations are, you know, our kids are going to turn into the magical TV show kids in the high schools where they're all raising their hands and they're happy to be there and they're our best friends and like yeah. all these people. That's, it's, it's completely unrealistic to think that, you know, every day everyone's going to turn into, you know, it's a small world from Disney world. And, <laughs> and, and, and instead like apathy was also a thing where people would tell us not to talk about, well, you can't do apathy. Apathy is they can do. And you kind of assume there's some kind of giant project you have to put in place to, to affect apathy. And we kind of said, well, why can't we? And we, we, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't have to be some kind of massive project. It doesn't have to have an fMRI to realize what's going on. We can actually do things in the classroom on a daily basis and see if that's going to make an impact. And just by paying attention to, to those moments where students quit, they give us a ton of data, a lot of research, just in practice in our classrooms that we can immediately use. So that idea of quit point. So, so you look at kids, you, you notice kids were quitting. Uh, I love your idea of effort rationing versus sustained quit. Cause I would imagine that most teachers out there recognize the sustained quit, but very few of them actually notice that effort rationing. I like, I like that idea. 
Um, I'm, I'm already thinking about it in terms of my students, although it's the beginning of the year. So they're, they're they still got a lot of effort um, going on right now. Um, but you, you talked about uh, obstacles, obstacles that kids are dealing with the long-term obstacles, short-term obstacles. Um, some of those things we can't do much about, right? Well, correct. That's, those are things that, um, you know, often occur in the home outside of school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a reality that we have to deal with in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the obstacles, you know, obviously there's various support structures outside of the classroom that we could try to help students connect with. Um, but the way we've approached it in the classroom is just to try to limit its negative impact on students. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so when a student comes in and is, you know, n- normally engaged in the lesson and, and they've shown learning and clearly they're something happened. They're having this, you know, they're having a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we talk amongst ourselves about, you know, having those punt days where it's like, all right, there's days where we're going to play defense so that we don't completely lose ground and we'll start fresh tomorrow. There we go. Or, or, you know, and for those students, you know, we do a lot of uh, reflection at the end of assignments in terms of how they felt they did both in terms of effort and understanding. Okay. And, and I was just telling some students today, we're also, you know, at the start of the, the school year. So we're still a bit in the honeymoon phase. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to some students, um, you know, one, one day kind of, you know, you know, we, we have a various chart in the, in the classroom. I, I always tell them one day stuck in the red, we're not going to lose any sleep over. You know, I, I just need you to bounce back that next day. And that, that kind of falls into that obstacle aspect. You know, when a kid comes in and something happened beyond our control, we just wanted to limit the impact to a small portion of time as possible so that maybe we could start fresh the next day and, and re-engage in that learning process. Well, and we like quick point because if you look yeah. at a lot of the motivational techniques, you mentioned the carrot and the stick. It almost yeah. tells kids, like, your obstacle doesn't matter. You need to mm-hmm. be tough. Like, I don't care if there's a brick wall. You push that brick wall. And that's not what any kid wants to hear when they're having an awful day. You know, their boyfriend broke up with them or mm-hmm. their mom, they got to fight with mom on the way to school or right. any, any issue. They want to hear that. I get it. You're having an obstacle. Like the same thing I want for my boss. If it's not my best teaching day, I'm yeah. going to be the day in my evaluation. Um, and so just by telling them things like if we go at them with, I will need critical thinking, this assignment is super important. And you need to critically think right now, even though you're distracted by all sorts of other issues. Gotcha. And a kid it just is thinking I need to quit because that's way more realistic than achieving my goal. But sometimes you can say effort rationing, you know, it's like, Hey, like, let's get you started. Like, it doesn't have to be a bad day. You can get a little bit done. Let's start the assignment. Let's see where we are. And we're having a bad day. And sometimes mm-hmm. the kid will get will gain enough optimism. They'll see that they can have a successful assignment. And they'll kind of move past their obstacle on their own. And they'll yeah. say, oh, like, I can do this, actually. Yeah. And they, and they see that you care about them. And, and again, uh, Adam and Sveti, you guys, you guys are both still classroom teachers. You didn't write a book and, you know, and just decide, you know, Hey, we're just going to be book all-stars in education. <laughs> you're, you're still in the classroom, you know, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yep. Im- impacting those kids lives every day. And that's, and that's awesome. So, um, so we talked about that idea of quitting. Okay. So, um, I know you got some, some resources in the book. Again, the book is called quit point. You can find it at quitpoint.net, uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, everywhere. Once you start realizing those things, you know, I, I know Adam, you, you mentioned, Hey, here's this, we're in the red zone today, but, um, mm-hmm. but let's, let's, let's make tomorrow better helping kids recognize that. But what, what are some other strategies? I mean, I'm sure you guys have had some successes in your classroom, uh, as well as some failures, right? 
Exactly. So, you know, one of the things, you know, as history teachers, there's plenty of great films out there that, you know, critical films, Hollywood films, is, you know, we think the students are going to be very engaged in right. that could also, you know, teach and, and supplement the content that we cover in class. And, you know, a couple of years ago when it was still kind of early in, in the process of, you know, us transitioning our classroom and I had a, a group of students that were in a career based intervention program. Okay. These were students that struggled in traditional school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought, okay, I got something that's, you know, I, I can talk all I want and I could give them all the various resources on the new deal and, you know, what it was like in the great depression. Well, I'm going to show them some of these things. And I, and I picked out you know, Cinderella man. This is going to be a great way to give visuals for these students. And so I thought it was like this, this perfect lesson and the students were going to be highly engaged <laughs> from the student standpoint that the moment that that movie started, it was a quit point for many of them. Oh. So they, they just, they just defaulted to their typical behaviors when, you know, a, a video or a movie goes on and head goes down, phone comes out, you know, if you know, the, the kid puts up his hood and, you know, starts taking yeah. a nap. And I was getting very frustrated because I was like, no, this, this is supposed to be this dynamic lesson. I put all this right. work into it. So from that kind of failed lesson that I thought was going to be excellent, we kind oh. of shifted our approach and we created a kind of a new form of assignment that we use in our classroom. Um, kind of based off of document-based questions, but we do video-based questions. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're trying to engage the kids with various clips that aren't necessarily history-related, but have themes that we want them to connect in history. And that, for many of the kids, was something that kind of pushed them through that typical, you know, uh, video or movie in the classroom quit point. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, like a two hour movie is going to just like, they're going to, they're going to zone out and drone out, but um, just showing them a couple, couple minute clip. I mean, that's a great idea for, for any educator, uh, break it down, chunk it. That was one of the other ideas in your, in your book, that idea of uh, chunking and breaking things down. Oh yeah, exactly. If, you know, if you can, that, that definitely impacts that optimism aspect. You know, if you go out and tell me, you know, to run a marathon, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to attempt it. Right. You know, if, if, if you tell me to go out and run one mile, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then at the end of that mile, can you run another mile? Yeah, I'm going to attempt it. And I'm probably not going to make it the entire length of a marathon. <laughs> but, you know, if, but with the initial approach, I shut down right away and I don't, I don't take a step. You don't even try. Yeah, exactly. By, by chunking it up into, you know, little components and, you know, chunking has been done in various assignments, you know, for quite a while. And we realized the reason why that works is it impacts that optimism. I don't shut down right away. I think to myself, yeah, you know what? I can, I can do this for two minutes. I could do this, you know, for this little chunk of time. And then at the end of it, then you kind of, you know, reset and reassess and, mm-hmm. and move forward with something else. Well, and our video questions was kind of cool. Cause we just, that's one of the first things we shared at conferences. Mm-hmm. these questions and it was at a conference where we kind of decided to write the book um, and we we're talking to, to some math teachers uh, who were looking at blended learning yeah put videos together for their students and that's one of the first things we said was you know we learned from our vbqs you can't necessarily give a five-minute video it seems reasonable to you but if you look at a at-risk student a in someone who's not who's more accustomed to failure than success in the classroom you know you, you might only have 90 seconds or 60 seconds to show them your math concept. And if you can't put in that video, they might not watch it. So no matter how many hours you spend editing your video and making sure everything's great. Um, and one of the math teachers we work with actually went back and they, uh, we, we differentiate via tiers where tier one is our at risk group, mm-hmm. tier group, and they took all their tier one work 
and they cut it down to shorter assignments and they attached 30 to 90 second videos as mm-hmm. concert led learning. Yep. And, and where students used to look at blended learning as a quick point in their classrooms, now they're said, oh, this actually is pretty cool. I can watch the six second video three or four times if I need to, and it's not a big deal. And they started working independently instead of needing the teacher to hold their hand. Yeah. yeah and it, 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 like something like that shifts their mindset as well in terms of this isn't something that I just have to, you know, make, you know, make it through the time before, you know, the bell rings and I could leave. All of a sudden it becomes an actual tool like it's designed to be. Here's this little clip. I can watch it once. If I get it once, the teacher says, you know, move on. But they also give them permission to, if you need to watch it two, three times, um, you know, if you need to bring that up during the assignment to kind of refresh your memory on, on how you're supposed to approach it, all of a sudden the student starts buying into the approach as well yeah. because they see that, you know, that, that chunking mechanism is a tool to help them learn, not just another obstacle. Yeah. And, and these are, these are, I mean, you're, you're sharing your experiences in, in your social studies and history classrooms, but, but these are, these are strategies that work in every classroom. Um, and again, uh, Adam Chamberlain and Spetty Matech from Franklin Heights High School in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, the idea is quit point and thinking about kids and when do they reach that quit point. Um, definitely check out the book. It's it's a great read. A lot of great ideas. You guys have resources at the end of it. Other Anything else that you wanted to, to talk about about the idea of quit point that we haven't already? The Go biggest ahead. thing for us is we kind of tell people that everybody quits. Teachers, <laughs> Everybody quits to, to quit in school because a lot of us have stories about how like, oh yeah, I had this teacher that made me do this 300 page packet and I pushed through and look yeah. at me now, I'm a, I'm a super accomplished guy and I have, I have a job and I'm a great. Yeah. And, and I, I think we're waiting for students to hit that moment. And it's just, you know, I, I quit when a tree fell in my backyard and my wife wanted me to, to start cleaning it up when it was 95 degrees outside. <laughs> I'm really tired today. Um, and it, I put it off for a, for a week or more before I did anything because of how, how that felt. Yeah. I think as soon as we acknowledge that our students, our students are going to quit and quitting isn't necessarily a problem unless it's a, unless we see it all the time. Yeah. And accepting that and, and looking at a, a part of who we are and something that we can, you know, deal with and, and build resilience to, that's the key to, to being way more successful in the classroom than expecting, you know, the lesson planning by itself and, and entertainment and great lessons to be enough. Right. And, and that tree didn't go anywhere, right? I mean, it just waited for you, right? It waited for a while. So I knew it was there. <laughs> And I knew our neighbors had a graduation party where they wanted our backyard, which has no fence to their backyard, to look nice for their big, their, their big party. <laughs> and even with all the pressure and even all the, you know, the carrot and stick motivation between my yep. wife and the neighbors, uh, we got it done, I think, two hours before the party was supposed to. <laughs> 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 you know, with, with borrowed equipment and multiple neighbors helping we're planning on it. Um, awesome. I think that's a great lesson for kids, though. A lot of kids who don't follow our plans, they end up, you know, making it through with, you know, the gray area. Like I didn't realize I could get three neighbors helping me out with multiple chainsaws, but you know what? This is pretty good. Why do, it's a good decision. I didn't clean up the tree the first day. Yeah, and I think the kids have that same lesson from, from us was like, Oh, they told me to study an hour a day, but <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I'll do just, that. I'll just, I'll just study all the night before. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That'll work. Any, and any other last thoughts? Um, 
Um, I, I guess just from my perspective, I know kind of when we shifted our thinking a few years ago, um, and it helped to you know be co-planning with another teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've definitely seen a change in how the students approach their learning. They buy in much more to the process. We're constantly talking about practice and improvement, getting better. That's what we're going to measure. That's what we're going to assess. Uh, and then on the other side of it, you know, it's it's improved my you know, my work as a teacher, I believe, you know, I no longer devote 90% of my energy to creating what I think is going to be this dream lesson. Right. Um, You know, because I'm now able to kind of devote a lot more of my energy to um, structuring things that I've I've seen work in the classroom, uh, devoting my time to assessing student work in real time, giving real time feedback to the students. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like my approach to the classroom has changed and, and I've seen a lot more buy-in from the students and I think it's made me a, a happier and more effective teacher throughout the process. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, one last question that I can't, I can't let you guys go without asking because I, I love to ask everybody, if you could have anybody uh, past or present be a guest speaker in your classroom, uh, any, any ideas who that would be guys? <laughs> Actually, you know what? This question tripped me up until Sveti just kind of you know looked at me and said, "Oh, I you know who this would be." Uh, for <laughs> me, for me, it would be uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh yeah, yeah. I you know I, I went and saw him a couple years ago, and and I always tell the kids, and they're like, "You paid to go listen to a science lecture for three hours?" <laughs> but you know, I I think he has a rare gift. Yes, he's you know he's a very accomplished scientist. But anytime you hear him talk, he kind of puts himself, describes himself as an educator first. Yep. And, and, and he has a great way of breaking very complicated material down for students, um, you know, or, or for the general audience and, and put, delivering it in a very entertaining way that engages and, and pulls people in. So I, I think he'd be the guy that I invite. Awesome. How about you, Sveti? Um, you know, it's, it's, I kind of look, I feel like, you know, the education ends up being a bubble a lot where kind of teachers are teachers. So yep. I think of educators, I, I try to look past it and I, I, um, I coach soccer. Oh yeah. School too. And uh, some coaches really come to mind that like really interest me. It's like, I think Brad Stevens, the Celtics where, where he's achieved. Oh yeah. Yep. His career would be fascinating because he's, you know, he's clearly an educator. He communicates really well. Uh, Ted Ginn senior up in the Cleveland area where Adam's from, like he has done a lot with, with, with players who, you know, had nothing and had more reason to quit than, than continue. And, and, and he, you know, was highly involved in the schools and just listening to their stories about, you know, how do they bring stuff from outside the classroom into the classroom and get students to continue working and, and, and connecting yeah. to education as something that's part of their lives yeah. not just the thing they go to every day. Yeah. And that idea of quitting, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a huge thing that, that coaches uh, fight through all the time. And there you go. We can, we can glean a lot from what coaches do with players and helping them through those quit points as well. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. And, you know, um, Sveti mentioned Brad Stevens, you know, another example that you know, I'm a big basketball fan and watching the playoff run. I'm a Cavs fan. Unfortunately, yep. so LeBron is gone. <laughs> but watching, you know, watching playoff series over the past few years, and some co- coaches take this mindset of you just you just grind it out and persevere. And there's times where that's not going to click. You know, um, 
And one of the things I remember watching it a few years ago and uh, the Golden State Warriors were going into the fourth quarter and they were down, I don't know, 22, 23 points going into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. which, which for most athletes, that would be a quit point. Right. And, and instead of that coach, you know, instead of Steve, Steve Kerr trying to give this motivational speech about we're going to go out there, we're going to win this game, we're not going to quit. You know, he, again, he chunked it. He broke it down into tiny things, tiny aspects of the game that the players control. He didn't yeah. talk at all about winning. He, you know, and he wasn't giving them a hard time about they weren't playing hard enough. Instead, he, he just focused on, you know, we're going to have crisp passes, you know, good, sh- good shot opportunities, and we're going to see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, and, and they ended up coming all the way back because all of a sudden when you start focusing on the tiny things that you, can do, you know you can do well, yeah. all of a sudden that leads to winning. So. Awesome. Great example. That's, they're, they're everywhere. Those examples of quitting and those examples of, of persevering after that quit point is um, uh, so important for our kids to hear uh, each and every day. And again, thank you, uh, Adam and Sveti, for, for the work you're doing every day in your classroom and to, to help bring this idea of quitting and not quitting to, to educators everywhere. So thank you guys for joining us today. Yeah, thank thanks for having us on and, you know, for trying to get the word out. You know, we feel very passionately about this idea. So, you know, every platform that we have to kind of share, share these ideas and, and hopefully start to give some more insight to teachers and, and sh- shift kind of the way they approach motivation in the classroom is great. And we yeah. love hearing from other teachers who, you know, recognize quick points that we haven't thought of and strategies that, you know, we, that we haven't considered. You know, so the more people that we can reach out and talk to, to, to you know, see, you know, ideas that we haven't thought of yet is, is, is the best yeah. So if you, uh, if you want to connect with Adam or Sveti, easiest way, go to quitpoint.net or at quitpoint on Twitter. And again, they got some great ideas and thanks for joining us on the show today. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, thanks for listening to the STEM Everyday Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review, uh, leave a comment. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Daily STEM. And we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com. Thank <laughs> you.